Hey, you all. Welcome to Active and Connected Families. I have just gotten back from a week at the beach in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, and I've been going there for the last 42 years. It is my touchstone. Every time I am there, I feel more grounded and I always come back realizing I need to take more time for myself, more time to truly connect with my family, more time to be in the relationships with the people that I love across the country. It was really a special and beautiful time, and I am just so thankful to have that place with those people. And of course, as we came back from a week and a half away, there is nothing that my kids wanted to do more than to see our two huge dogs, Mac Brown and Rosie. Rosie is the only girl in this house except for me, so I gave her the girliest name. And obviously, Mac pees on the floor every time he sees us after not seeing us for a long time. And so he just went to town and my kids were just so happy to be with him. And truly, it felt like my family was a little more stable with them around, even though they are a lot of work as well. And I think we all know that pets can have a profound impact on people's lives. Whenever I talk to kids or they come into my office for the first time, the first thing I do is I ask about their pets because I know it is the easiest way to connect with people. And I've seen my children, and I've seen other children use being with their pets as a very consistent coping skill and way to manage their emotions. And I, as a parent, wanted to know how and why this happens? And how can I maximize the opportunity these pets bring into my homes? And so I asked my friend, Christine Bowers, who is an expert on animal-assisted therapy. She's going to talk with us today about how to promote social and emotional development through our pets. She is the founder of Skyline Family Therapy, as well as the founder of the nonprofit in Charlottesville, the Grazia Foundation, whose mission is to help children and their families heal, learn, and grow through the power of the human-animal connection. Truly, she's an expert, you all. So of course, we end up talking about how we want to be proactive as parents with the pets in our home and the pets in our families in order to help our kids grow and get the most benefit out of these animals that are in our lives. It's a great chat. I hope you enjoy listening and I hope you have a great week. Active and Connected Families is a smart, relatable conversation with me, Dr. Amanda Sovic-Johnston, child psychologist, mother of three, and I've spent my career providing family therapy and supporting high achieving mothers and maybe even more hours with my girlfriends trying to figure out how we can all feel more confident in our work and our relationships. And you all, there's one thing I've noticed. We're all struggling in some of the same places and we're all looking for some down to earth advice that we can actually use. So on active and connected families, I'll share some of the insights I've learned strategies for those daily fights about laundry, some expert perspective on the bigger issues like the mental health crisis, and me chatting with my therapist friends about how we can all feel a little more active and connected in our lives. Throughout, I hope to make you laugh at least once, but I know I'll leave you with something that'll help you become a better parent and maybe even person. Thanks so much for listening. Hi, Christine. Hi. I am so glad you're here because I have two dogs in my home and my kids absolutely use them for social emotional support, but I want to know how we can really capitalize on Mac and Rosie for all sorts of kids. So tell me what, like, how can pets help us? How can pets help our kids? 
Yeah, so I'm super excited to be here to talk about this. We also have two dogs and a cat in our home. Um, And the long and the short of it is pets help us both physically and emotionally. So we have so much research that shows that sitting with a pet, stroking a pet, just being in the company of another animal um, lowers blood pressure, it regulates breathing, it regulates our heart rate, um, it lowers our stress hormone hormone cortisol, and it increases our oxytocin and our dopamine. So just being around our animals has all of these great health benefits. And then emotionally, they are... Wait, can I slow you down for one yes. second already? So, so... Is that just living with pets? They can do all those things like reduce our heart rate? Interacting with. Oh, so like if my, okay, so you're saying that if one of my kids is just like petting a dog or just like being around a dog, that there's just automatically going to be a lot of health benefits just by doing that? Just from the interaction. Just as, as long as the inner, like as long as the person is regulated in the interaction. Okay, well, listen, my six-year-old really wants a pug and he cries truly every night because he thinks our dogs are too big and he wants a little dog and he wants someone that's littler than him because he's our youngest, right? Yep. So I think you're right. Maybe he's not feeling super regulated in the interaction with the big dogs and the big dogs might not be super regulated in their interactions with him. Yeah. So, I mean, my advice, right, would be to get him the pug, but I'm biased. (laughs) I told him that you can't have three kids and three dogs in one family, which is not true. But it was like the only the only thing I could say in the moment. So but it doesn't have to be a pug, right? It could be a hamster or a guinea pig or... I mean, we've seen these effects with reptiles, with bearded dragons, with snakes. We've even seen these effects with sitting and watching fish swimming in a fish tank. Like, think about why every dentist office has a fish tank. Oh. Because you sit and watch the fish swim around and it calms you down. Well, that makes so much sense. I didn't think about that with the dentist. But I think it's right. It puts you in the present right? Mm -hmm. Like you're getting immediate feedback from something live in front of you and it's engaging and it helps you be in the present and not in your anxious brain at all. Yeah. And it's co-regulating, right? Like you're, that's the thing I use animals with, with my little littles a lot, right? Is like, what would it be like to sit here calmly and pet, you know, this dog, cat, whatever, Um, But you have to stay calm and you can't scream and you can't be jumping all around because that's going to scare them. And we don't want to scare, you know, Maisie or, you know, whatever the name of the the animal is. Mittens is my cat's name. You know, we don't want Mittens to be upset. We want Mittens to, to be chill with us and want to sit in our lap and be happy and purring. So you're saying that at baseline, having animals in your house is helping to improve kind of just emotion regulation, keeping us calmer, keeping us more focused on the present. That's just baseline, not even if we're being proactive about how we use our animals for social emotional development. 
Yeah, I mean, think about how many times you've seen a kid go over to somebody else's house and like they just kind of naturally go over and start petting the dog, right? It's because just having these other living creatures in the home or in our environment, you know, we want to interact with them. And by having them there, you know, we're co-regulating ourselves with them. So yeah, I would say that just having them in the home is beneficial. I mean, think about it. Think about why so many shelters literally ran out of pets during the pandemic. Like everybody was like, I need something in my space with me. So they all went out and got dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. So yes, as human beings, we are naturally drawn to living with other human beings. There's something calming, something that keeps us present in this crazy world kids are benefiting from that for sure. Oh yeah, I think so, definitely. Also, just as an aside, I think there's this piece of when your kid goes up to another animal, there's a sense of building confidence, right? Mm -hmm. Like being able to develop, like, I know I'm good with animals. This is a part of my identity. I can walk up into any home or see a whole bunch of animals on the street and be able to connect. And that's something that I'm good at, that I, this nine-year-old kid is good at. Yes, absolutely. Right. And people, you know, kids even describe themselves as a a dog person or a cat person or a snake person or whatever it is. It's just another piece. Yeah. Of your identity of what you connect around of things that that are relevant and resonate with you. So for all of us that have animals in the home, I think there's something that I'm missing in how I can really help my kids kind of socially, emotionally taking full advantage of these two dogs that I feel like I'm doing a lot to take care of, right? You should see me walking my dogs, Christine. They're 150 (laughs) pounds combined and they they like almost weigh more than me. So if they go after Mm -hmm. a squirrel at the same time, I'm like, I'm done for. Mm -hmm. So to me, it feels like a fair amount of work to be walking these animals, right? That I do love. So I want to be able to use that work I'm putting in to help my whole family. So what can I do? Yeah. So first of all, I think that getting kids involved in taking care of animals in the home in in appropriate ways, you know, in an age appropriate way is really important. So like my kids, um, they feed the dogs breakfast in the morning. They feed them dinner in the evening. Um, So my dogs are also huge. One of them is a gentle giant. She's probably like 80 or 90 pounds, but she's like walking, you know, a little rabbit on a leash. So my kids will help walk her. The other one, he's a little squirrely. He's like 60 pounds and I have to walk him because like you said, if he sees a squirrel, we're out of there. But we, we do family walks. Like everybody grab your scooter, your whatever. Um, and you know, they all fight over who gets to walk Maisie. So we have to, you know, at this stop sign, we're going to trade and all of that. But, um, I think there's definitely a lot you can do, um, to incorporate them into family time, like going on family walks or going to the park, that kind of thing. Um, a lot of dog trainers actually love having kids come to dog training sessions with the parents because, you know, the more consistent that the training is in the home and the commands in the home, the better it is for the dog actually Mm -hmm. too. So that's a way to get involved. But also just like, you know, my kids read to our animals. I'm like, go grab a dog, grab a cat, like curl up in the corner and do your reading. 
Um, they talk to them. I also talk to them so that I maybe, you know, they might get that from me. But, <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many. I mean, the, you know, the limit is is whatever you put on it. You know, you can you can have your kids as involved in caretaking with with your animals as you want. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the adult in the house has to be the one that's like ultimate really ultimately responsible. But you know, we've we've made <laughs> we've made cakes for them on their birthdays. We do all kinds of fun stuff with our dogs. I mean, and I think what I'm hearing is that being a pet owner for a kid is giving a kid the opportunity to develop a unique role, right? So so in my family, you know, my husband and I, we are the caretakers for the kids, but my kids also want to be caretakers too. And yeah. so it's allowing them to develop that part of who they are, which is an important part of who they are in a way that's doable for their age. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there's so many ways they can be involved, right? Like, I've even, when my dog has, um, you know, started barking, because somebody walked by out the window, and he happened to see it or whatever, I, you know, I can say, I'm like, hey, you know, can you guys go help Hank, like, settle down? Can you go tell him that it's okay? That like, thank you for letting us know somebody walked by on the sidewalk and now you're good. And they will, and they'll go over and they like cuddle him and they pet him and they're like, it's okay, Hank, you're good. Everything's fine. Um, and so giving them that kind of power too, like saying you can be also a caregiver for this animal. Like it just teaches them empathy. It teaches them how to recognize you know, a distressed bark versus a happy bark, that kind of like, I just think being able to read the animals is a really important skill to have in general, because it is actually translatable to being able to read like human body language, too. So talk about that, you know, how does having these roles and these relationships with animals, what sort of outcomes do kids have with that? Yeah, so we see increases in empathy for sure. Like the ability to recognize another being's needs and provide for those. Um, we see an increase in um, responsibility too for, for kiddos that are given kind of, you know, again, appropriate levels of responsibility, but responsibility around taking care of their animals. Um, in my house, all of our cats, and dogs get Christmas presents. <laughs> and so we've also seen this like, you know, wanting to save up allowance to go to the store to buy the cool phone or whatever that they saw so that they the dog will have something in their stocking. Um, and so it's just, we really see it as an integral part of like our pets are members of our family, just like, you know, my kids, the, them being siblings. It's it's like a, a furry, soft sibling. And data supports that, right? So it's not just what mm -hmm. you're seeing, but the data really supports that kids, what does the data say? So again, the data shows just this, this empathy component for sure, that children that have animals in the home have increased levels of empathy, um, ability to co-regulate, self-regulate. Um, they tend to have lower levels of depression. That one's a little bit hard to tease out. 
but there is some data that shows that um, kids that have animals in the home and on average have lower levels of depression. Um, and, you know, they, they can be anxiety reducers too. And I think this is the hard part with this is it's really hard to measure um, because a lot of these kids are using animals as their confidants, right? They're going and talking to them about hard things that they can't talk to, or maybe not can't, but struggle to talk to their parents or their friends or whoever about. And they go and tell their animals and, you know, it's all correlational, but there seems to be a suggestion in the data that the more you're able to have that safe place to kind of talk out what it is that you need to be talking about, that is what's correlating with these lower levels of depression and anxiety with our kids. So it's just being able to say it out loud. Mm -hmm. You're not alone with feeling mad at your mom. You're not Mm -hmm. alone with feeling sad because you got left out of the party. You've got your dog with you experiencing, you're saying it out loud. So you're able to organize it better and understand it better. And you're also not alone because your dog or your cat is there experiencing it with you. That's right. That's exactly right. You're able to kind of process it, make sense of it, just have something else living and breathing, like hear it, but know that it's a, it's being told to, to a, you know, a safe being like, you know, your dog's not going to go tell, you know, your sister, everything you just said about her and why you're mad at her, right? They're just going to look at you and be like, I don't know why the human is crying, but I'm going to sit here and snuggle with her because Mm -hmm that's what I do. That's my role, right? And dogs are really good at this because they've been in our homes for, you know, thousands and thousands of years, but any animal works. (laughs) I mean, and I think that's the piece is we all talk about coping skills. We all all talk about coping strategies and really building animals in because we know they work. Proactively building animals into coping skills and coping strategies is a really good idea. Yeah, I think so. I mean, Maisie is our Maisie goes with me into each kiddo's room at night when I check on them and say good night. And um, if one of my kiddos is having a hard time going to bed or is upset about something that happened during the day, like as my kid and I sit there and talk about it, they're usually petting Maisie, and it just I don't know. There's just something comforting about it. And I think it's supportive. And I think that your dog is always going to be there for you. They're not Mm going to judge you. They're not going to be like, I don't feel like dealing with your emotions today. So I'm going to just go dig a hole in the backyard instead or whatever it is the dogs do. And, you know, for better or worse, humans aren't always able to just be that kind of unconditional ear to talk to. And I think when our kids have hard things to talk about, which absolutely happens, or they're experiencing hard feelings that they do need to say to us on some level, having a dog where they're using their touch, right? Mm -hmm. That's helping them stay present. That's helping them stay regulated in the moment. They're not in their brains anxious, or they're not totally sad, overwhelmed with their sadness, because if they were, the dog would go away. So by help sure. having the dog there touching the kid, the kid is using their senses 
is going to help them be able to better communicate to us because the dog is helping them stay calm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and that is um, one of the big benefits of animals in um, in animal assisted therapy is that that animal is there helping the the client in that case regulate. And the exact same thing is true in in our houses with our kids in our in our pets. So I think teaching this to our kids proactively is a good idea. You know, I certainly say in therapy, hey, when you're upset, what are some coping skills, right? And we'll say, right. go on a walk, listen to music, pet the dog. And parents can be saying this directly to their kids all the time. Hey, you mm-hmm. look really upset right now. Why don't you take a break, you know, hang out with Mac. We can talk about it while you're petting him or or we can talk about it when you feel ready. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I've never really thought of it as that that's a thing I've kind of proactively implemented in my household. But it, I, you know, now that you say it out loud, it absolutely is. <laughs> oh, I mean, I think it is. And we all have like, you are clearly a dog person, right? And so you're integrating your dog in all the time and probably using it all the time. But if you, like me, who really is a dog person, but is also wasn't integrated in the same way with a dog growing up, I use it more proactively and clearly because I don't do it as all naturally. So yeah, I will teach it to my kids because I'm not doing it as a human being as much. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It's funny that you mentioned that, though. I actually didn't grow up with dogs, which is the best part of this is like, I became an I've been an animal lover my whole life, but I became an animal owner once I was like out on my own. And, uh, you know, I'm like, the more the merrier, in my opinion, but we do have a a space limit, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing I kind of I saw my son do this this morning and I'll be clear. So I have three boys in my house. And when we Mm -hmm. talk about roles, if you have three of the same gender, being that middle kid is really, really tough because you're not the oldest kid. You're not the youngest kid. You're not the only boy, right? You're just the middle kid. And, and so for Wes in particular, he is our animal lover. So we do have a dog that is essentially, it's his role. He is the animal guy. He always has that playmate in, in our animals. So it really helps define his role in our home, which has been useful. But this morning he came home, he was upset about something. Oh, I know. He fell down the stairs because oh. Robbie had been doing fake pratfalls while he was wet. And he left like a trail of water all over the stairs. And Wes fell down the stairs and he hurt himself and he was mad. And that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. And he came into the kitchen, he told me, and he literally fell to the ground, sobbing, slumped down. Both dogs came right to him, wagged their yeah. tails, and he just sat and he pet them and he regulated himself and he wasn't as mad he wasn't as sad but he uses them proactively I see it in him yeah and it's healthy and it's good and and we can use that and build on that absolutely absolutely I mean and I think that that is the greatest part about having animals in the in the house too is that they're like they're drawn to dogs cats, I don't know, but dogs, especially like when you are upset, like they are going to come check on you and like, be like, Hey, what is going on? And can I help somehow? 
And I think then the question is, this is a really hard question. (laughs) When these kids that are dog lovers, when they go to college and they don't have a dog with them, by the way, I get a ton of requests to, for um, emotional support, animal support, a ton of them. And sometimes that's really hard. So it's almost like, how do we teach our kids to be able to use that skill, even when the animal isn't there? Right. So yeah, how can I get great Wes to regulate like he's regulating with Mac, but Mac's not there. Maybe he's on the soccer field or maybe he's at college. That's a great question. So what we do when I'm working with my kids with the horses, right? And so like you can't bring the horse into your bedroom. Usually like they have to stay on the farm in their field. So we do at the end of every session, I have all of my kiddo clients do what I call a heart hug. So they put their chest up to the horse's chest and they they give them a hug. And what I have them do is imagine that there's like a, a connection between the horse's heart and their heart. And they're filling up their heart with love from whatever it is, Grace, Dixie, Bill, Goldie, who whichever horse it is. And then they have that horse's heart love to carry around with them in in their week because they only come out to the farm once a week. You know, it's not like you go home and there's, you know, a 1500 pound horse in your backyard for most of us. Um, And so I, you know, you could absolutely do the same thing with any of your animals. But what we practice then is pausing kind of closing your eyes, taking a deep breath and imagining being back in that space with with your horse, getting that hug, filling your heart with love. And, you know, it sounds a little silly to say out loud, but it it really works. And it's just pausing and kind of recreating that feeling in your body of like, this is what it feels like to be regulated, present, calm, happy, all of those positive things that you're feeling in that moment while you're you're kind of bottling up that that heart hug and even you know a transition object so Mm -hmm. I could really see this being effective for some of my kids is if they had just like a picture or a locket with their animal like I'm going to send Wes to camp this summer for the first time for seven days with a picture of the dogs and, Mm -hmm. and tell him if you're feeling stressed if you're feeling lonely you know, these guys have you. Yes, maybe I'll include yep. a picture of me and his brothers. Maybe. <laughs> but I think maybe. we care about the dogs more, truly, because I yeah. think they will help him regulate. And having a picture of them will remind him how he feels and how he can calm down when he's with those dogs. Absolutely. You can also, I mean, some of the other things I've seen, especially for, like you were saying, kids that have been sent off to college. You can get pillows printed with dogs' pictures on them. So you can like kind of hug the pillow. You can, there's even whole websites where you can have like an actual stuffed animal created that looks like your dog or, you know, whatever animal. But, um, so I've seen kids sent off to college with, with, you know, stuffed animals that look just like their dog. Um, and most colleges now too actually have like, visiting therapy dogs that will come in, mm-hmm. you know, at the very least during like finals and study, you know, what is it called at UVA reading days and that kind of thing. So there's always opportunities to seek them out as well, but it's never quite as good as your own 
your own fur baby. And I think what I'm even advocating or realizing now is that we need to be explicit with it because there are so many strengths that kids can can develop from having pets around them. And if we are explicit, we can help them take those feelings as they, as they get older, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them are going to get it naturally. Some of them don't need direct instruction on how to use pets. But if we can start putting words on how to use pets and how to take that feeling when they're outside of the home, then they're going to be able to access it more easily. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, definitely saying like, you know, imagine you're petting, you know, whatever your animal is or or sitting with them or looking at them because, you know, maybe your bearded dragon isn't something that you pet, but you sit with it on your shoulder while you're, you know, watching TV or whatever. So whatever that feeling is, helping, yeah, putting the language to putting the words to like, remember what this feels like so that you can recreate it in other situations when you don't actually have your pet with you. And you don't need a therapist to do this for all of you parents listening. This is what parents can just integrate now that they've listened to this podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Taking the time to sit with your whatever fill in the blank creature and just finding what feels calm and supportive as you sit there. And also for boys, I think who are probably less likely to talk about their feelings, it's probably easier for them to talk about it about their dogs. Right? Yeah. So I think that's an easy in too. I'm thinking about it. You know, how do you feel when you're with Mac and Rosie? You know, how can you use that outside of our house? What about it is helpful? I think those are questions my kids would love to talk about because they love those dogs so much. And we're, it's an easy way to talk about vulnerability and love and sadness and worry. It's great. Yeah. 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 It really is. It really is. And I mean, my, my kids will talk about Hank and Maisie and Mittens to literally anybody that will listen Um, And I, you know, I have two girls and one boy, um, but all three of them respond pretty similarly when it comes to the dogs. The kitten is, Mittens is, is my oldest daughter, Emma's cat. Like she literally saved up the money to adopt her from the SPCA. Like it's her cat. So that one's a little different. Um, But the dogs, certainly uh, the kids all will talk about them. In, in very animated and loving ways. Do you want to know what I've done with this pug issue, Christine? Because I'll tell you, <laughs> yes. Robbie is truly crying three nights a week wailing. It's like that issue that oh. just like comes up for him, right? Yeah. For like the last three weeks. And it's, it's, not, it's a non-solvable issue. Like we truly cannot take on another dog right now. Sure. So one day we went to Wegmans. This is like a week ago. We went to Wegmans and there happened to be like one of those stuffed animal pugs. And yes. he, we got that for him. He's losing his mind. He takes it with him. He's like kind of that weird six-year-old. Cause he's a little out of that age to be like mm-hmm. walking around with a stuffed animal. He's putting it to bed at night. He's talking about it. Now here's the issue is that <laughs> Mac and Rosie, who are the big dogs that he already like, isn't totally jiving with. Yes. Got the pug, the oh, stuffed no. animal pug, tore it apart, tore it oh, to no. pieces. We couldn't find Cosmo. Luckily, you know, Wegmans <laughs> is close by. 
We got and Cosmo. Still had too. another one. <laughs> they got another Cosmo. So we fixed it. But ultimately, you're right. It doesn't have to be a pug. Obviously, a pug would. We're also reading a book called Pugs and Kisses. It's about a tween romance, which is totally out of his developmental not right age, but he's still into it because it's about a pug. I don't care. Right. But you don't have to get the pug. You can get something different that's accessing that same part of them, but you have to figure out what that is accessing for them. That's right. Yeah. And it has to be, you know, I think you make a really great point. Like your family cannot, you know, you know, time-wise, brain capacity-wise, whatever, support having a third animal. And like at the end of the day, it is another living, breathing creature. And so absolutely don't get a pug if you don't think you're going to be able to actually take care of a pug. Like that is, (laughs) that is, that's key here. Like that's numero, number one above everything else. Like if you can't take care of a pet, don't get a pet. Like I'm pretty passionate about that one. But you're absolutely right is, you know, what was the stuffy's name? Cosmo. Cosmo yeah. is filling some sort of need for for Robbie. And so finding other ways to fill that need is is great. You know, maybe I don't know if there's pug rescue around here, but maybe you volunteer at pug rescue once a month so that, you know, he can still get his pug fix or I don't know, maybe it's you find a friend that has a pug. There's so many different ways to go about it. The pug thing in specific, you know, specifically, I just find really hilarious because pugs are just such funny little dogs. Well, but- we've tried to talk to him about the genetics of pugs and how their cute faces make it hard for them to breathe and all of the yes. complicated. But I think what it is for him is as the youngest, he wants to be a caretaker. We found once we realized that's what it was about the pug, we found a way for him to be a caretaker for mm-hmm. a stuffed animal pug yep. that he cut his hair. It's like, it's become a doll, which is cool. <laughs> I'm glad to see that. It's like a safe doll kind of for him. You yeah. Know? Like it's cool. So I think that's the piece is really figuring out what part, uh, what part of your kid is, is this bringing out to and putting words to that because that's where they're going to develop and grow and mature. That's exactly right. And I love that he has found something to be a caretaker for. Like that's a super important role to nurture in our sons anyway. And so, you know, the fact that he's like, I want to caretake this pug is I think is awesome. Well, Christine, he didn't do a good enough job because those other animals (laughs) got it. (laughs) Well, that's a whole other piece but (laughs) okay this was really really useful I feel like I learned a ton I'm gonna take it I'm gonna talk about my kids relationships and how they help my kids regulate their emotions more proactively and explicitly in my home if people want to find out more about what you do or or more about animal assisted therapy how can they find you um, so we have our equine assisted therapy um, nonprofit, which is graziafoundation.org and Grazia is G-R-A-Z-I-A. Um, and so that is where you can find out more about how we use horses, dogs, goats, chickens, cats. I don't even know what else we use. All the things that we use in our animal assisted therapy. Amazing. Thank you so much. And oh, and you can do that on Instagram or the website because I know you have an Instagram page. Yep, we have Instagram, we have Facebook for people that still use Facebook, and uh, we have the website as well. Absolutely. 
Thank you so much. I will talk to you really, really soon. I appreciate it. I learned a ton. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. (laughs) I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay. Bye. If you found this podcast helpful, go ahead and subscribe and share. And more importantly, if you think you or someone you love would benefit from collaborative therapy, psychological assessment, or psychiatry services, you can find out more about our practice at Active and Connected Family Therapy, www.activeconnected.com. Again, that's www.activeconnected.com. Thanks so much for listening.